Hi everyone, and welcome to the Scandinavian History Podcast with me, Michael Schenkman. Today, we're going to do something a little bit different. We're taking a break from the regular historical narrative about religious reforms and the formation of dynasties in the 16th century, and instead, we'll focus on history in the making in Scandinavia today. I refer, of course, to the events in Denmark in the last couple of weeks. As you're probably aware, if you're following along as the episodes are released, there have been some major developments in Denmark in early 2024, and I thought it would be fitting to follow up on these historic events. Less than a week ago, we witnessed the end of an era. Queen Margaret II abdicated after 52 years on the Danish throne and was succeeded by her eldest son, Frederick, now Frederick X. In today's episode, we'll dive a little deeper into the reign of Margaret II and analyze her abdication from a historical perspective. Margrexit. It's common for heads of state to give a speech, a greeting of some sort, in late December, usually around Christmas, or as in the Danish case, at New Year's. Usually these speeches are benevolent, but rather dull, reflections on the past year and good wishes for the next one. But this time, it was different. The 2023 New Year's Eve speech would turn out to be nothing short of a bombshell. Queen Margaret announced that she had decided to abdicate and that she would be stepping down only two weeks later, on January 14, 2024, 52 years to the day after she ascended the throne. No one outside a small and tight-lipped circle knew about it in advance. Frederick himself was apparently only informed a few days before the announcement that he was going to level up in the royal hierarchy. The nation was completely blindsided. It's true that Margaret was getting on, and she'd had some health issues lately, but she's never hinted at the idea of abdication before. On the contrary, she has repeatedly stated in interviews that being queen is a job for life. But it's not like abdications are unheard of, and I don't refer to the scandal-ridden abdications of Edward VIII of England in 1936, or even Juan Carlos of Spain in 2014. In the Netherlands, their old hat, the current king's mother, Beatrice, abdicated in 2013, and her mother, Juliana, also abdicated back in 1980. Even the previous pope, Benedict XVI, stepped down in 2013, but still, virtually no one expected the Queen of Denmark to abdicate. And for good reason. The last time a Danish monarch gave up the throne voluntarily was in 1146, when Eric III decided it was time to call it a day and let someone healthier take over. He was ill and retired to a monastery where he died the year following his abdication. This all happened in a turbulent part of Danish history, an era of civil wars with a seemingly never-ending succession of brothers, half-brothers and cousins fighting each other for the throne until Valdemar the Victorious finally put an end to the fighting by killing off everybody else and establishing himself firmly in control over Denmark. If none of this sounds familiar, I recommend that you go back and listen to episodes 34, 35, 39 and 40. Not only was it almost 900 years since the last Danish abdication, Margaret II has rejected the idea of stepping down on several occasions, saying that the Danish tradition is that you stay on the job as long as you live, and that her son would only become king when she died. So there was no reason to believe that her reign was drawing to a close. Most Danes don't even remember a time when Margaret II wasn't queen. 
she is the longest reigning Danish monarch in history, and after the death of Elizabeth II of England in September 2022, Margaret had become the longest currently reigning monarch in the world. But Margaret clearly wasn't interested in setting the record of longest reigning monarch in history, still held by Louis XIV, the Sun King who built Versailles, at least not anymore. In her announcement, she made reference to back surgery that she had in February last year and said her ailments had made her reassess the feasibility and consequences of remaining on the throne until she dies. The announcement triggered a flurry of activity in Copenhagen to make sure that everything would get ready for the handover two weeks later. And in a ceremony on Sunday, January 14th, she signed the official act of abdication in the presence of the government and her eldest son and successor, Frederick, as well as his eldest son, Christian. After signing the document, Margaret stood up, said, God save the king, and left the proceedings. The ceremony was held at Christiansborg Palace in the historic centre of Copenhagen. The palace is the seat of the government and contains not only the Danish parliament, the Folketing, the Danish Supreme Court and the office of the Prime Minister, but also the Queen's offices. In other words, it's as if the US Congress, Supreme Court and the White House were combined into one. As I'm sure you can imagine, it's a substantial building. After the signing of the act, the new king, Frederick X, stepped out onto the palace balcony where Prime Minister Mette Frederiksen performed the traditional proclamation of the new monarch three times, while the tens of thousands of spectators who'd braved the January cold cheered from below. The proclamation of the new monarch is a traditional ceremony, but it was different this time. Everyone was in a jolly mood, and the people in the balcony were all smiles. The Prime Minister was smiling, the King was smiling, and so were his wife and four children when they all joined their father to awkwardly wave at the people. The new Queen, Mary, for some reason dressed like Princess Leia from Star Wars for the day, is from Australia. She and Frederick met during the Olympics in Sydney in the year 2000. The young crown prince had snuck away to a bar one evening, and there he met this charming and beautiful woman that he spent the whole evening talking to without mentioning that he was the heir to a Scandinavian throne. Eventually she found out, but decided to stick with him anyway. Incidentally, this seems to be a bit of a trend in Scandinavian royal circles, because King Carl Gustav of Sweden met his wife, Queen Sylvia, when he snuck away to a bar one evening at the 1972 Olympics in Munich. Anyway, usually the proclamation of a new monarch from the palace balcony is a solemn and dignified event, where no one smiles. Just compare what went on last week with the same scene 52 years ago when Margaret was proclaimed queen. You can find it on YouTube. The reason no one usually smiles at these events is naturally that it's usually followed immediately after the death of the previous monarch. The politicians and people avoid levity for out of respect, and the new sovereign has just lost a parent, so it makes sense that they're not exactly chuckling. But this time was different, since Margaret was still alive and well, discreetly being driven back home. So everyone could just enjoy the moment. Still, I have to admit that I found it a little jarring to see all those happy faces. But the reason people were happy probably wasn't because Margaret had stepped down. She has, in fact, been a fairly popular monarch throughout her reign, much loved by many and admired by virtually everyone. To a large part, Thanks to her, the monarchy is currently supported by more than 80% of the Danes. Margaret was born on April 16, 1940, 
That was a particularly dramatic and dark spring, since the country had just been invaded and occupied by Nazi Germany in an unprovoked surprise attack only a week earlier, on April 9th. Her birth was greeted warmly, not only because it was a bit of good news at a dark time, but also because her father, Crown Prince Frederick, was very popular, and his popularity soon rubbed off on the little baby girl who was named Margaret Alexandrine Ingrid Thorhildur. But within the family, she's always been known as Daisy, which also happens to be her favourite flower. She was named Margaret after her maternal grandmother, Margaret of Connaught, granddaughter of Queen Victoria and the Crown Princess of Sweden. Alexandrina after her paternal grandmother, the Queen of Denmark, Ingrid after her mother, and Thorhildur because her grandfather, Christian X, was also King of Iceland at the time, and it was considered a good idea to give the girl an Icelandic name as well. Relations between Denmark and Iceland had been tense lately, with the Icelanders striving for independence. But the Icelandic name didn't help, and only a few years later Iceland declared independence. But that's the story for a future episode. Even though her birth was greeted warmly, no one expected her to ever become Queen of Denmark. In fact, it wasn't even legally possible at the time. According to Danish law, only men could inherit the throne, and if Margaret wouldn't have any brothers, her uncle Knut would have succeeded as king after her father. And even though Margaret had two more siblings, Benedicta and Anna Marie, later the last queen of Greece, there were never any sons. After the war, when it became increasingly obvious that there wouldn't be any sons or any more children at all, things were put in motion to change the law to allow for women to inherit the throne. The change was quite complicated, requiring the agreement of two successive parliaments with an election in between and a referendum. But it was approved and in 1953 Margaret became the heir presumptive. Her father, who had become king by then, was popular and so was Margaret and the rest of the royal family. Equality for women had also started to gain popular support, so it seemed like a logical step. If the change hadn't been approved, Frederick IX would eventually have been succeeded by his uncle Knut, and today his son would have been King Ingolf I of Denmark. Instead, Ingolf has been relegated to the margins of the royal family and of Danish history. When her father died in 1972, Margaret became Queen Margaret II. That number wasn't self-evident either. She's number two after the medieval Queen Margaret, the formidable architect of the Kalmar Union and the real power behind the thrones of her son Olav and her adoptive son Erik of Pomerania. But the thing is that the medieval Margaret was never actually Queen of Denmark. She was born a Danish princess, sure, and was later married to the King of Norway, and that's why she was queen, but she was never Queen of Denmark. In addition, technically, she was only Queen Consort, meaning that she was queen only because she was married to a king, not herself the sovereign of any country, not even Norway. She only exerted power through her sons, Olav and later Eric. We covered all of this back in episodes 57 and 58, if you'd like to go back and refresh your memory. But considering what a towering figure medieval Margaret was in Danish history, it would have been unthinkable not to give modern Margaret number two. Besides, she wasn't the first Scandinavian monarch with a questionable ordinal number. We'll get to that in the next episode or two on the podcast. Unlike medieval Margaret, though, the modern queen never ruled. She only reigned. Constitutional monarchs of today don't get involved in politics. They're only supposed to represent the nation. That meant that Margaret II had time over for other pursuits, and she's famous for her interest in history, art, and design. 
She takes a keen interest in fashion and is known for her bold and sometimes eccentric style. In 2013, the UK newspaper The Guardian put her on a list of the 50 best dressed over 50, and when she turned 80, British Vogue called her an unsung style heroine. And I mean style heroine, sure, unsung, not so much. But the song has mostly been sung in Danish, a language I guess few of the editors at British Vogue have mastered. Margaret doesn't only enjoy wearing cool clothes, she's also designed her own, as well as costumes for the Royal Danish Ballet and other ballet companies. She's even designed cloaks for clerics, serving in various churches, both in Denmark and abroad. Apart from design, her interest in art and history is well known. In the 1960s, she participated in archaeological digs in Italy together with her grandfather, the King of Sweden. But she also knows a lot about Danish history and even contributed to a book on the topic that was released only a few years ago. But her most famous venture into the world of literature is probably the illustrations she made for the Danish edition of The Lord of the Rings in the early 1970s. The illustrations were published under the pseudonym Ingehild Grathmer, the first name a combination of her names Ingrid Alexandrine Thorhildur, and the last name an anagram for the Danish spelling of Margaret. The illustrations were sent to Tolkien himself, who apparently approved of the royal drawings. They were later used as the basis for illustrations of English editions of the books, published in 1977 and again in 2002. But even though Queen Margaret has enjoyed not only a reputation as a talented designer and artist, as well as a solid popularity throughout her life, not everyone in her inner circle has been so lucky. I'm primarily thinking about her late husband. They met in London in the 1960s. She was there to study, and he was a strapping young aristocrat working at the French embassy in the British capital. His name was Henri-Marie Jean-André de la Borde de Montpezat, but when they hit it off and he moved to Denmark, his name was danified to Henrik, because, obviously, young Henrik was a count, or at least he claimed to be. But some experts in French noble titles have cast doubt on the validity of the family's claim to belong to the aristocracy. Back in the day, this was a bit of an issue actually, because other members of the Danish royal family who had married commoners had been stripped of their royal titles. But not Margaret. And when they got married, Henrik was made a real prince of Denmark anyway. You'd think that the groom would have been pleased with his elevation, but Henrik seems to have been a glass-half-empty kind of guy, because he repeatedly and publicly complained about only being a prince and ranking below his wife, the queen. Later, he even resented the fact that his own sons and grandsons, who were also princes, had the same title as him, making his title not fancy enough for him. In 2002, he even threw a hissy fit when his eldest son Frederick, since a few days ago King Frederick X, got to stand in for his mother, the Queen, and host a New Year's Day reception in her absence. Prince Henrik felt his honour had been trampled on and left Denmark to go and sulk at a chateau the family owns in the south of France. This embarrassing episode went on for three weeks before the thin-skinned prince eventually returned to Denmark. Prince Henrik always had a slightly awkward relationship with his wife's subjects, and the Danes didn't feel as warmly toward him as they did and do toward Queen Margaret. Henrik's struggling popularity wasn't exactly helped by the fact that he never really learned to speak Danish properly, and stated publicly that he preferred wine over beer. That beverage preference didn't go down well with everyone in the nation of Carlsberg and Duborg. In 2017, Henrik made the slightly petulant announcement that he didn't wish to be buried next to his wife when they died, 
The reason he gave was, once again, that he thought he hadn't been given a grand enough title since he was only a prince. Instead of upgrading her husband's title, the long-suffering Margaret just accepted that she'd be the first monarch since the mid-16th century not to be buried next to her spouse in Roskilde Cathedral. About a month after that spat, the royal court announced that Prince Henrik was suffering from dementia, and in early 2018 he was hospitalized. In February, he was released from the hospital, and it was said that he wished to spend the remainder of his life at home. He died later that same day. Margaret and Henrik had two sons, and their firstborn, Frederick, is now the new king. But before anyone at home listening to this starts to plan a trip to Copenhagen to enjoy the festivities surrounding the coronation of the new king, I'm afraid I'll have to disappoint you. Frederick X will not have a coronation, of the kind that we saw Charles III of England have a few months ago. The other Scandinavian monarchs stopped having coronation ceremonies in the 20th century, but Danish kings haven't actually been crowned for almost 400 years. In Norway and Sweden, the ceremony was done away with because it was seen as old-fashioned and sending out outdated messages of royal power and legitimacy confirmed by God instead of the people. But in Denmark, they didn't stop the tradition because it felt undemocratic, but in a way, because it was too democratic. In the 1660s, the king of Denmark took absolute power, breaking the influence of the nobility by abolishing the council of the realm. From that time, the will of the king was the law in Denmark for some 200 years. Before this constitutional earthquake, the Danish kings had, technically, been elected by the Council of the Realm, and their status as kings was conferred on them by the council through the coronation. So the crown was given to the king by the people, or at least by the tiny, tiny minority of the people who belonged to the upper crust of the nobility. When the king became an absolute monarch with no legal or political restraints, there was no need for a confirmation of his status through a crown, since he was now king by the grace of God, whatever his lowly subjects thought of the matter. When absolutism was abolished in the mid-19th century, the coronation ceremony wasn't reintroduced, and instead you have that traditional proclamation of the new sovereign from the balcony at Christiansborg Palace that we saw on Sunday. The old crown still exists, though, and when you're in Copenhagen, you can go and see it at Rosenborg Castle, where it's kept together with all the other regalia. The Danish monarch never wears it, but it's usually brought out when there's a change of occupancy on the throne, because the crown is placed next to the coffin of the previous monarch as they lie in state. But since Margaret hasn't died, but chose to abdicate, that hasn't happened this time around. So there you have it. Denmark has a new king and people have no doubt started to glance sideways at Margaret's aging cousins occupying the thrones in Oslo and Stockholm, wondering if either one of them is secretly planning a pre-death exit. Next time, we'll return to our regularly scheduled programming with an episode focusing on Gustav Vasa's struggles to establish his family as a real royal dynasty and his descendants as the self-evident heirs to the Swedish crown. Unless, of course, some other Scandinavian monarch decides to throw in the towel in the coming fortnight. Until then, be well. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Scandinavian History Podcast. If you did, why not spread the word wherever you congregate with others who are also into Scandinavian history? Also, please consider leaving a stellar review, or at least five stars, on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. This is an excellent way to attract new listeners and to support the show. 
Another good way to support the show is to purchase some Scandinavian history-themed merch in the Scandinavian History Podcast webshop. I especially recommend something from the Odin's Lifehack collection. It's a line of merch with quotes from Hovamol, accredited to the King of the Gods. You can get t-shirts, mugs, tote bags, and many other items with nuggets of Scandinavian wisdom, such as wake up early if you want another man's land or life, only fools hope to live forever by avoiding enemies, or speak useful words or be silent. Links to these amazing products and more can be found on the Scandinavian History Podcast Facebook page or on Twitter. If you haven't already, then please go to facebook.com slash Scandinavian History Podcast. Like and follow the page if you want to shop or if you just crave more content at least vaguely related to Scandinavian history. Via the Facebook page, you can also send me questions or angry messages about things I've said or not said on the show. If you prefer Twitter, then you can follow me and send me messages at Schenkman. That's S-H-A-I-N-K-M-A-N. I look forward to hearing from you. <laughs>